This episode of The Ride is brought to you by the Mustang Heritage Foundation. There are currently around 50,000 wild horses and burros in holding facilities operated by the Bureau of Land Management that are waiting to find a permanent home. It's the Mustang Heritage Foundation's mission to help each of those animals be matched with a loving owner. To help that goal become a reality, the Mustang Heritage Foundation implements unique programs and events to increase awareness of the American Mustang's plight and to showcase the versatility and athleticism these animals have to offer. If you're looking for a new partner for the show pen, ranch, or trail, visit mustangheritagefoundation.org to learn more about how you can bring home a Mustang. Thanks again to Farnham for sponsoring this episode of The Ride. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. Today we have Caitlin Gooch, who is the founder of Saddle Up and Read, and she's a lifelong equestrian. So thank you, Caitlin, for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, why don't we start off with you introducing yourself and then telling us a little bit about your venture of Saddle Up and Read. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my goodness, where do I even start? So I'm Caitlin Gooch, like you said. I'm from a small town, which is developing now, but a small town called Wendell, North Carolina. And my family has land there where my dad started a horse farm. Um, he had it set up before I was born. And he had been riding horses and involved with horses. And so when I was three, my dad started me riding horses as well. And it's funny because he has five children. So I have four other siblings and I am the only one <laughs> who is about this horse girl life. So I grew up doing that. We grew, we grew, we did trail rides on the East coast, which are not anything like trail rides that people have described to me. I'm like, no, that's not the same thing. <laughs> Ours are totally different. Um, but what makes those so special is they are ran by predominantly black saddle clubs. Um, so I have spent my entire life, you know, just being around that environment and that culture. And it's been so special to me throughout these years. And even in my office, which y'all can't see, there's a huge picture of like all these smaller pictures from trail rides over the years. Um, but fast forward <laughs> to post-college. Um, I graduated college in 2015, and in 2017, I started Saddle Up and Read because I felt that I could do something with my horses that I have been extremely blessed to have and be involved with and do something so that I could give back, do something so that other kids who, do, who wouldn't get those experiences could have a chance but also get them super excited about reading. <laughs> um, I found that out through working in childcare for a few years that some kids don't like to read. And it's not really because that they don't like to read. It's because either they don't have books or they don't have the encouragement um, or they don't have books that interest them. So Salvin Reed was born and I am here just soaking up all of the amazing attention and exposure <laughs> um, and really doing my part to 
to help increase the literacy rates. I love that so much. I mean, you know, Jillian and I work on a magazine. So reading is obviously something that really we really love. We love, you know, words and writing and and telling stories that, you know, people have that just, you know, others can't seem to get on paper. We love telling those stories so people can read them. And I, reading is so huge for kids. And I think that, you know, we, we tend to forget about some of that stuff. And, you know, there's just so much going on, whether it's technology and sports and this and that, that like, you know, sometimes I feel like kids get an iPad, they don't get books or, or, you know, whatever kind of technology is coming out. So I love the idea of, of finding a way to get kids interested in reading, especially by incorporating horses. Yeah, definitely. I was a, growing up, I was one of those kids that was always reading. I just, I just really like to read. And now, you know, talking with kids that ride at my barn, they don't remember the last book they read or the last time they picked up a book. And to me, that's just like, crazy it's and it's so sad it's something that is slowly becoming a a lost art almost and that's that can't continue so it's it's so awesome that you you know realize that and then realize that you could do something to help with that yeah and I was an avid reader when I was younger too like hand me a book of course um but like you said kids today is like when is the last time that they read a book or you know, did, did it on their own, like, I'm going to go and, you know, read a book instead of having to be told, go and read for 20 minutes. <laughs> um, even my daughter, my oldest daughter, she she sees me reading. She sees Sat Up and Read. She knows that it's very important. Sometimes she will get a book on her own. And then sometimes I have to remind her, you know, like, our ancestors and even those that, you know, aren't directly related to us, Um, they didn't have, I guess, just this free will to read sometimes. Um, at one point, I know in North Carolina and Virginia, it was illegal for them to learn how to read. And I'm just like, we're not going to take that for granted. (laughs) Um, and I, I will get her any books that, you know, that she wants and that she's interested in and just trying to make it fun because yeah, it's kind of hard to compete with iPads. (laughs) Definitely. So you said that you're making it fun, you know, and trying to bring kids into it that way. So what are some of the ways that you do that and make things fun for kids to kind of entice them to to read? So I'll go out in the community with my horses. Um, I've even been to a Walmart parking lot giving away books (laughs) Um, and stuffed animals. But when I'm not doing that, I'll do a story time at the farm, which now I have so many ideas of how to make that more interactive. Or I will let the kids read to whatever horses they want to, whether they're in the stall or out in the round pen. And then at the end of their reading time, we'll feed the horses treats or brush them or just something just so that the kids get the interaction. Some people ask me like if the kids get to ride, and I used to let the kids ride. But I don't anymore because I'm the only one that's normally doing this um, for the moment right now. I do not plan on being the only one in the future. I'm, I'm building up a board and building up um, some volunteers and a staff and all that good stuff, which is going to take time. Um, but that will definitely come back into play in the future. So how many kids would you say uh, get involved in this program? Do you see a lot of people coming back every week or is it just like, you know, different kids or or how does that kind of work? 
So it is always different kids, and there are a few, even when I go to the park, there's a few that I've seen before over the years. And it's like, oh, I definitely remember (laughs) y'all. And it's so random because I don't really put out like a schedule or anything. But um, I try to do something at least once or twice a month because, again, it is just me. And I already, I have three children as well. So that is, (laughs) that is a task in itself. Um, But since 2017, I'm sure that I've seen, I've had to have met over 2,000 kids because I travel. Um, I've been three hours away to take the horses and set up like a corral and a huge display for them to learn more about horses and get educated on horse safety. I do something called the Black History Reading Tour. And during the month of February, I was going to like, maybe 10 different classrooms in one week, the entire, like every, every week in February, just teaching kids about horses and reading books to them. (laughs) So um, yeah, I've met a lot of kids and I was, I was really, really busy and I'm currently pregnant now. So that has slowed me all the way down. Um, And I think I'm just going to use the rest of the year to finish giving out books, whether it's via mail or dropping them off to the kids um, that we, well, yeah, that I, that I have found that actually need the books, but I, I've, I've seen a lot of kids, and I've met a lot of parents, and a lot of teachers, and staff, <laughs> and yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a count for that, but there are a few who do continue to come out. That is so, so cool that you travel all over doing that, too, you know, it's, it's, going beyond just where your father's farm is Um, and then having the kids come to the farm. And when you were talking about them reading horses books and their stalls, that is such a great idea because it, you know, it makes the kid feel like they're empowered and they're reading this horse a a book. And that's something that like, they're probably so excited about. That's so fun. Um, But with the pandemic, you know, the past couple of years now, um, how has that affected, you know, you traveling places and people coming to the farm and things like that? How have you kind of had a, how to transition with that? That transition has been hard for me because I like to go, go, go and do stuff all spontaneous and whatnot. And I have had to pull back and we didn't have reading sessions at the farm, um, during the height of it. I just literally last month, yeah, last month was like the first time I think I did um, a story time at the farm in forever, <laughs> you know, and I just miss it so much and miss seeing those kids and getting their books and stuff. So I haven't been doing that, but I was still going out. So having to make sure I have hand sanitizer and keeping the mask and asking people, because when they see the horses, they want to gather around. So, you know, asking them, like, can y'all please stay six feet apart? That's Those are the ways that has changed. But the thing with the transportation, um, in 2020, I did realize that the kids that I wanted to reach, I wasn't reaching them because their parents were working. And so it's like, your parents are working till 6 p.m. or, you know, 8 o'clock at night. We're not reading at the barn at 9 p.m. You have to, you know eat dinner and you have to get ready for school the next day and some of them have siblings so that's what really made me want to travel to different communities and neighborhoods and the parks where I knew kids were going to be at 
or the ones um, who might be at home because their parents are at work. So, yeah, with all of that, it's just been, I've learned a lot. And now seeing, like, how things can be because of the pandemic, like, I try to do the virtual thing. It didn't work for me just reading to the horses and uploading a video. It is not the same thing. (laughs) Um, But now there's so much that I see where it can be better, especially with bringing on a new board and some more volunteers with fresh ideas. So I'm super excited to to get back out there next year, planning for a, a March launch to start reading sessions again. And we'll just make things, you know, safe and, and fun still. Now, you mentioned that you go to schools and get to talk to kids. And, you know, you were extremely busy during, you know, Black History Month. And, uh, you know, so do you find yourself going to more city areas to kind of get kids who wouldn't have the opportunity to see horses and be around them kind of involved? I'm from the suburbs of Chicago, so, like, I totally get, like, you know, I would say I'm going to go ride my horse to my, you know, school friends and they would look at me like I was crazy because they had never seen a horse or they may have ridden once in their life I don't go into the city much I I went to the city once but it was like something that was for fun you know for that classroom but the other classrooms I do try to make sure I go to areas that are underserved um, and I make sure that I talk with those teachers and the 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 staff and say like is this actually a need for y'all you know, like I try to to put my energy there first. Um, the literacy gap, which is what started all of this, has this huge racial divide. It's like black children compared to their white peers are reading so far behind them. And while that's not the truth for every, you know, black child, it is the truth for many. And I want to target those children and even those who, you know, speak a different language, which is even harder. Um, and some of our boarders are Spanish and their kids are, are bilingual, but the parents aren't. So it's like, there's these language barriers. There's all these other factors. I don't know. I just try to go where, where, where I'm needed. And for the most part is, is definitely not in city areas, but that could also be because I have, I haven't gone to into like Durham. Um, I know there's places in Durham, but I'm not sure where or like deep into Raleigh or anything like that. I try to stay within Nightdale, Wendell, and Zebulon um, as much as possible because I'm familiar with, with all of those. Yeah, I'm sure that's helpful, especially you know when you're bringing a horse with you. You kind of have to know where you're going. <laughs> Makes things a little easier. Um, so when you're, you're going to these places, how do you get the word out or do you even get the word out or do you just kind of do like a little flash mob where you show up with, man man and use like social media or things anything like that in the beginning what I would do is I would make a Facebook post in our community group and I'm like y'all y'all have to bring your kids out it is so beautiful outside like let's not waste the day anymore (laughs) you know just like just come out you know and then I think I started to ask I was using Facebook a lot, like just asking people like, hey, do you know where I could go? Are there any teachers on my timeline, Um, any principals on my timeline, somebody I can talk to? And then I think once I went into one classroom, they were like, oh, what is she doing? And then that's how it kind of spread. And I was really trying to trying to, you know, get into those classrooms 
which before I could not get into. Like some of them, it was really hard if I didn't know anyone. And then put the pandemic on top of that. They want to keep everybody safe. Um, even this year, I really haven't been able to go, you know, in the classroom. We could do something virtual, but that's still not the same, <laughs> you know, as seeing a horse in real life. So, um, no, I, th- I think it's awesome that people want to have their kids participate and, you know, do that kind of thing. But I, I really absolutely love how, you know, you're trying to help the community and you're trying to make sure that those kids who don't have access to books and, and the ability to, to read and, and learn, making sure that they have a way to, to, you know, to do that and to keep furthering themselves and learning about horses and, and learning about the history of, you know, black cowboys. And, and, you know, that is such an important story to tell. And I love that you're able to, to help get that message across. Thank you. Um, growing up, like I had said in the beginning, I have always been around other black cowboys, other black cowgirls. Like that was my normal. I didn't know that other black equestrians did not experience what I experienced. And I want other kids to experience that. I remember this one time, um, a parent, he told me that his mother, when he was younger, told him that black people weren't cowboys. And I'm like, I recently just learned this history and these names, and that is so not true, <laughs> you know? And I, I, I made a coloring book to explain 12 black equestrians in history. It's a series that's called Color and Learn Black Equestrian. But in researching for these people, I have found so many, like so many, and they've done amazing things. And like you said, it's just really important and to show up and have that representation. Yeah, I think that's so great because, you know, like you said, you spoke with someone whose father told them that, you know, black people weren't cowboys. And if you weren't there to, you know, change that opinion and get the word out and kind of, I guess, like normalize it in a way then it would just continue going on that way and so the the more that you're involved with that community and spreading the word about it that's so important for other people that you know weren't in a situation like you growing up where that was just normal yeah education is is huge and and I'm looking at your coloring book on your website right now which is the blackcowgirl.com and it looks so cute I love you know just looking at the cover it looks like such a fun educational book for kids to to enjoy yeah I formatted the book I I did everything except draw the pictures so the words they come from me the formatting um the printing and sending it off all of that the style and the flow of it because I really spent the last three going on four years researching books that featured black equestrians and it's like wow I never realized that I wasn't really represented in kids books you know growing up yeah that's crazy uh and I'm so glad that you're changing that you're you're doing what you can to make an impact on the community and the equestrian industry and um yeah that's crazy though I love though that you have you've been able to take your love of reading and kind of create this really valuable collection and and education that you can pass on to others when it comes time like that's huge too passing on that knowledge so that they have this and you are so right because in our community um our trail ride circuit um I call it my cowboy culture 
There is documentation that I cannot find. And the reason I can't find it is because my uncle, he passed away. And I have no, we have no idea where all his footage went. Um, He used to, him and my dad, like they were this amazing team and they would go, you know, to the trail rides and they would go to black rodeos and they recorded a lot. They even made a magazine and I, we don't have anything to show for it. So you have a podcast too. Um, Would you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yes, I am um, the co-host of a podcast called Young Black Equestrians. Um, Aubriana, she is the other co-host. And we have been interviewing Black equestrians from all over the world. And it's been absolutely fun just seeing the different, one, it's already diverse, but within each guests that we have on the podcast they are totally even more diverse (laughs) it's like some of them are doing archery um some of them have made inventions that aren't out yet but you know they they're they're in the process of it some of them are doing these shows and all these incredible things and we get to talk to them and hear their stories hear what they're interested in we have paused episodes for right now just because it's so much going on but we are going to start them up again. There are over 40 episodes. So there's plenty for people to go and listen to and find those Black equestrians. So it's been really interesting trying to find all those people and help other equestrians or help other Black people who want to be involved with horses find those areas. Um, I mean, find those spaces in their area because sometimes they do have bad experiences. And I hate that. Like, there are a lot of parents and um, adults who want to get involved, but they they just can't find the right facility to get involved in. And that is so sad. I need horse people to do so much better than what they're doing because it's turning people away. And the horse industry, oh my goodness, there are so many things, you know, people can contribute to this industry to make it better and to make a living. We shouldn't be turning those people away. Absolutely. I actually get into this conversation a lot more in the horse show aspect, but it kind of relates to this too, where, you know, a lot of these big horse trainers, they get these really, really fancy open horses, but you know, sometimes we forget about the non-pros, the ones that are paying the bills, the ones that are here, you know, to learn and want to have a horse in training. And, and, you know, that's from a horse show world, but like, in the same sense, like there's so many people out there that want to be involved in the horses and just have no idea how to, and then they're getting, you know, they're not getting through because they don't know the right people or, or that barn's full or that barn doesn't take those kind like beginners or, or people who don't own horses or, you know, they don't do lessons. And so it's, yeah, we need to, we need to have some kind of resource where people can get the information they need to, to go to a, a place regionally near them that that allows this, you know, education and this opportunity. Absolutely. That is so important. And it, the conversation does come more about shows, which I'm glad we talked to a lot of Black equestrians who have participated in shows. Some of them have been discriminated against and some of them haven't. It, I'm not saying that you know, it's everywhere, but it is in some places for the majority <laughs> of it all. And like you said, we really want to see that change and and let those people have those opportunities because sometimes people just feel safer around others that look like them because they feel like they get it. 
like there's a conversation about helmets going around right now and helmets fitting over um over certain hair types i have locks there is only one helmet that is working for me at the moment i'm not going to take advice from someone who does not have locks <laughs> our hair is not the same the helmet is not going to fit the same and even though that might seem so small to someone else who is new or even just true to this it it matters because to them it's like oh if only i had something that worked for me and how can you possibly relate because everything was made to work for you it's totally different even down to like um the breeches and the shirts and stuff i know <laughs> when i'm shopping like we have to go up a few sizes because the stuff is not made for our body types it's just not so yeah having those people and they they feel safe around them and safe talking about these things because to somebody else it might not seem as that big of a deal because they haven't had those issues i was actually just reading about the helmet uh conversation just a couple days ago and and it, it just it really made me rethink everything because I never thought about that. And I really hate that I said that because that, you know, that's something that I never want to, you know, I, I never want to leave anybody out. That's, that's never been, you know, my thoughts or anything. And, and to not have a helmet that just goes on your head with your, you know, with your hair, or like you said, clothing that fits you. It's, you know, to me, I never realized that because everything has always fit me, but yeah, that's huge. And if I were a beginner and you know, I'm very introverted as much as I talk on this podcast, like in my normal life, like I'm pretty quiet when I don't know somebody, especially if I'm in like a new industry, I would be scared to death to try and continue to be in it if I couldn't find anything for myself. Yeah, that's something that, like you said, I've never really thought about until, so I showed um, in college a little bit and one of my really good friends who I met through the team, she, um, start it was her first time ever riding she didn't have any experience with horses but she found out about the equestrian team and just really wanted to join and she did and one of the struggles that she had was fitting finding a hat that fit with um with locks and like asking me like what should I do and I was like I I don't know like that's something that I feel like isn't really talked about or that I'm aware of and that kind of made me realize how divided it is I hope to work with someone or a company and create my own helmet or create, you know, like help create a helmet with other equestrians with these different hair types. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's a really good conversation to have. And, and, you know, I think the only way that we're going to improve it is if we really just talk about, and, you know, make people like, just make people be aware that this is a thing and, you know, you might not see it in your day-to-day -day life, but this is something that happens and it's something that we need to work on as a whole, as a whole community, regardless of where we come from, what color our skin is, we as a whole need to, to do better and we need to work better to make sure that everybody's welcome when they come to a horse show or even just a barn. So let's, I mean, kind of going back on your history a little bit, you said you grew up riding and your dad was, you know, he had a, a horse barn and it sounds like your uncle was also very involved in the horses. 
Uh, which by the way, if you ever do find those magazines or videos, I would love to see them because it sounds fascinating and just a really cool part of history. So if you ever do find them, I would love to see them. Um, but you kind of talked a little bit about, you know, how you grew up riding where was your dad and your uncle, did they grow up on a farm as well? Or how, how did they love for horses? So my dad, so where I, where my parents live now um the farm is there and then um but my dad started riding because there was this man and I cannot remember his name off the top of my head oh my goodness but he entered my dad saw him riding and he was like I want to do that and that's what he did and he even did it when he was in college (laughs) my dad has a very interesting history but um yeah that's how my dad started because he saw that and that's what he wanted to do and when I was younger I used to always love it when we would turn out the horses because we had I think maybe like 80 to 100 horses at one point. Um, They weren't all ours, but a lot of them were. (laughs) But the horses would run from the barn to the pasture that was to the left of the house. And it was so freaking cool. Like, (laughs) it's like you just let them loose and they know where to go. And then we let them out from the pasture and they know where to go in their stalls in the barn and stuff. So I just grew up around all of that. I really want to share that and show show youth that there are so many possibilities even if you don't want to ride horses but I know when being around horses the creativity juices start flowing first of all your dad sounds so cool it's so interesting how people they kind of you kind of open up a a new you know thing in your life that you never realized was there when you can connect with an animal like a horse yeah I really love watching that like when you're seeing someone you know pet a horse for the first time or ride a horse for the first time. That's something that's always been really special to me just because I kind of take that for granted that I grew up with horses. So yeah, I think that's something that is another great part of what you're doing by going out in the community and introducing kids to horse life and things like that. Awesome. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and, and kind of talking to us about uh, all of the things you're doing because you are a very busy person on top of being a mom and pregnant. So, oh my gosh, kudos to you for being able to do all the things. Um, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I can barely, you know, keep my life under control with my dogs. Um, but I, we so appreciate you, you coming on and, and talking about everything. Um, can you let our listeners know uh, where they can find out more information about the Black Cowgirl, about Saddle Up and Read, about everything that you're doing, and and any way that they can contribute or get involved locally or, or even remotely. Absolutely, and thank you for saying all those kind of things. But um, people can follow me on Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the Twitter the handles for both are the Black Cowgirl. Um, the the blackcowgirl.com is my website to support Saddle Up and Read saddleupandread.org we are a nonprofit a 501c3 nonprofit organization and just click donate now and there are many ways to help support well we can't wait to see the growth of uh, Saddle Up and Read and and it sounds like you have some really big plans for it and I'm I'm so excited to maybe you know see you in even 6 months and see what else you could possibly be doing cuz you're doing so much for the community right now and and to be able to expand would be amazing. Thank you again for coming on. Once again, thanks to our sponsor, the Mustang Heritage Foundation, for sponsoring this episode of The Ride. 
guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at equinenetwork.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.